0: Welcome to Behind the Clipboard, event experts empowering you to throw killer events for your business, workplace, social circle and beyond. We're giving you the insider toolkit, allowing you to make your events the talk of the town. Produced by Known Associates Events, it's time to open the backstage curtain and unleash your world of events expertise. Hello and welcome back to Behind the Clipboard. I'm Tamara Cook from Known Associates Events and please welcome my fellow agru <laughs> my, f- my fellow agre. <laughs> my fellow events guru, also from known associates events, Melissa Howie. Yodalay. Oh she's a LinkedIn <laughs> today. <laughs> you get me every time. <sighs> Sound of music coming at you. No, seriously, <laughs> today we are talking about all things venues and site visits very important part of the event planning process. So to kick us off, Mel, what is a site visit? Well, a site visit is
1: does what it says on the box. It's when you visit the site, the event is going to happen at. Um, but it's really important uh, to see even the venue, not just the venue, but its context. So traveling there, like the guests, um, if it's a like complex like Crown, and entertainment complex, contextually where it is, and if it's in a hotel, all the things that go along with the venue as well.
0: Yeah. Is there public transport nearby? Can you just zoom in and park right next door? Or do you have to walk? Like if you go to a stadium, perhaps you have to walk a mile to get to the room that you're actually going to be holding the event in. Yeah. Should you bring your rollerblades to get there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so what
1: point do you think of the planning process? Should that happen?
0: Of course, ASAP. So, what you do usually is you'll do all your researching and investigating on where you're going to hold this event online. So, you do a lot of (laughs) googly-woogly, looking at the beautiful websites people put out. Um, They'll have their fancy, glossy photos. They'll have their venue capacities, um, facilities, and they'll have it all listed. And so, you'll narrow down the amount of venues that you're looking at and maybe come down to two or three and that's when you want to start your site visit journey. So you want to you think okay I've got these top three I'm going to physically go and walk, walk into those areas and check them out. Yeah because the photos might be 10 years old on the brochures you don't know. Yeah that happens. Mm.
1: And who should attend the site visit do you think?
0: Well Obviously, the event manager, you're the one that wants to go and scope out all these places, but you may want to take your client with you if they're that way inclined and they want to go on that journey with you and have a bit of input. Um, They're the main players for the initial site visits if you're still deciding from maybe your top two or three. But once you've decided on your actual venue, that's when you're going to get into a few more suppliers and inviting other people to come and see the site and really get into the nitty-gritty of the planning in that space. What sort of suppliers do you think? What are the most important Uh, ones to get there? Yeah, so I'm talking audio-visual, chefs is really important if you're bringing outside catering, Um, sometimes performers, but usually that's only if you're doing fire twirling, you've got an outdoors or you've got some rigging coming from from the roof and they need to see where the rigging points are and if they can actually do it. Yes. Or like a past
1: uh, anecdote of mine, if you've got acrobats in giant bubbles, maybe measure the doors first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like you have a little story there, uh, now. Oh, yes. Well, you might have talked about I this have, on the podcast before. I've shared it on the podcast
1: before, but this was a trap for young players. It was um, basically the acrobats in giant clear bubbles, essentially, plastic. Or Zorb balls. Yeah, basically zorb balls. But without – zorb balls have like the la- inner layer as well. Oh, These okay. are like hollow so they can dance and do pretty things and – Cool. Yeah, make nice acrobatic shapes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right in front of you in their bubble.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, however, what I didn't realise is firstly that they have to be blown up with a, lo- a leaf blower. So – Noisy. Yeah. In the middle of crown foyer like – <laughs> Okay. Awkward. And also, therefore, because they were so loud, they had to be blown up outside of the room. The blown up bubbles did not fit through the the grand ballroom doors.
0: (laughs) So what did you do? You let out a little air?
1: Uh, No, I got them to stand (laughs) at the door and I went back in my um, long evening gown and heels and took a run up and and gave them a good hip and shoulder through the door. A big hoik. So it was literally
0: like they were being (laughs) birthed. Just oh, like, no. And no. so did they go rolling into a guest table? Or <laughs> how did they stop themselves from propelling across the, the ballroom floor? No, I didn't hit them that hard, but they definitely needed a good
1: shove. It was They were <laughs> not going in. <laughs> okay, so measure your doorways. Yes. People. Those sort of things. Sometimes you think entertainment isn't needed, but maybe they would have thought of that if they'd come. <laughs> um, so apart from measuring the doors, what other, other sort of things are really important to check at a site visit?
0: Um, so I'd be looking at things like access to power. Obviously, what we're talking about is very broad and in our minds, we're thinking about a range of venues. So we're talking from purpose-built event venues, such as entertainment complexes, like you mentioned, convention centres, um, stadiums, all the way down to warehouses, private homes, private venues. so Community parks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it is um, – this checklist is going to be very broad. In a purpose-built venue, you're not going to be checking access to power because you know that there's access all around the room. But if you're in a warehouse, you definitely need to check something like this mm-hmm. or in a private home um, or in an outdoor, outdoor space. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, access to power – Wi Fi. Parking. Let me tell you a story about parking. Um we had, do. <laughs> we had a venue. <laughs> we had an event in a in a warehouse venue. It was only a small small event. Um, probably Uh, under 200 people, maybe around 150. Um, So it was in a venue, so it was a light industrial area during the day. And at the front of the venue was a karate class and the karate class finish time clashed with the beginning of our event. So we had maybe 20, 25 students in their little karate outfits (laughs) or these little cute kids getting picked up by their parents and we've got VIP guests walking in and it's basically – A highway (laughs) of parental pickups, and the venue didn't tell us that that class was going to be going on at the time our event was happening, right? So, and we just didn't think of it because it wasn't really the building was in front of our event space, so it wasn't right next to it, and it was really obvious that there was going to be something going on. It was kind of obscure, but when it was busy, it was busy, yeah, and it was just, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a tragedy, but it was something that I wish I'd known about and I could have prepped people or adjusted our times Mm. to fit with karate class finishing and our guests (laughs) arriving and that was all done,
1: bada bing, bada boom. And that reinforces our point from the previous uh, episode about audiovisual, about ideally doing a site visit as close to the time, um, and by that I mean the time of the day, that your event is going to be held. Because perhaps if you'd gone on a Wednesday at midday, you might have seen the karate kids before time. True.
0: You said Karate Kid. Huh? Karate Kid. <laughs> um, wax on. It's, wax look, off. Mel, that's definitely preferable, but it's not always I possible. Know, and usually you do do these site visits during the day and it's not at your event time because if they're not doing an event, it, I'm particularly talking – Oh, actually, I was going to say I'm particularly talking about smaller events, but when you've got – or event venues, but when you've got something at, say, Crown – the people that are selling you the event space are most likely going to be working nine to five. So yeah. that's when they're going to show it to you. That's true. You could, you know, in a busy place like that, you could say, can I come back yeah. and see it? And they might <laughs> not be there. No, they but won't. But you could at least <laughs> go and have a look at that time. So, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit tricky. But as you say, try to do it if you can. You won't run into karate parents. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else do you look for on site? Uh, so, furniture is a good one.
1: If the venue has already got furniture in place or in storage that you can use, looking at it, the quality of it, making sure it's something you want to use. And if it isn't and they have furniture in place, asking them if you are allowed to remove it. And what? quite often they'll charge a removalist fee for that because they're not just going to get this, hoik up their sleeves and get in there and move them for you.
0: Yeah. Um, but and if you are worried about the budget... Just use their furniture. It's, a great, it's probably a really good venue choice for you. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, AV equipment is another one. So, what's available? What's built in? Quite a lot. A lot of venues include like minimum uh, event a uh, lectern and a microphone, and some venue stage pieces as well. But that's assuming it's a a purpose built venue, like you were saying before. Um, you're probably not going to find a lectern or a stage in a park, but you could try. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then signage is another really important one. So checking where whether you need human signage, whether it's really tricky to get up there or whether um, a physical sign will, will do. We had that problem recently with an event at Crown in that we used the Crystal Club, which usually is only accessible to guests staying at the hotel and it's an exclusive VIP level of, of room. mm mm-hmm. So we had to. We didn't realize until the site visit, but we needed someone down at the bottom of the elevator with someone's scan card scanning people up the lift.
0: Yeah, it's also a really good opportunity to have meet and greet. Yeah. It's the same at Optus Stadium when you go there and you have to park in one spot and then walk and walk and walk and walk and walk <laughs> to your event and space. walk and walk and walk and walk. <laughs> yeah, and you're going <laughs> this way, you zigzagging all over the place to get up the floors and around the oval. And human signage is. A fantastic way for people on their journey to meet someone and actually at an event that we did at the stadium we did entertainment all the way along so we had dancers at one point and then they when they did their little bit then they'd point people in the right direction for the next part of their journey Um, we've had food stations along the way so you can make it really fun and welcoming if they've got you know it can be up to a 10 minute walk (laughs) to get to the venue if you're in a stadium
1: I'd love that, especially if the, a drink is one of the first stations because I'd love to saunter along with a drink in hand. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Pick <laughs> up some fairy floss and a champagne.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And then measuring out stuff, I suppose, or, or making a rough map in your head is a good idea to do at a site visit.
0: Yeah, or scribbling a mud map down. So really figuring out where you're going to plot things, um, once you've seen the room orientation, where are the where are the best places for your speakers to stand, for your audience to stand, for your furniture to go and to create those zones. So often in known associates event spaces, we'll create three to four zones. So we'll have lounging area, we'll have cafe seating, we'll have high tables, we'll have dance floor. So we map out exactly where those bits and pieces are going to go and, um, we also take into consideration the sound in those areas. So if you've got older people, you probably want them in the low seating areas where it's comfortable and away from the speakers, so they can have a conversation. Dance floor, obviously, as close to the speakers as possible, and um, in it can be anywhere. If you're dancing, it can be up a flight of, you know, up another level or whatever. No, I love that. Zones is really
1: helpful, especially when there's a mixed crowd. Yeah. Not everyone's there for the same reasons. They're there to support a cause, or, but they, they're not all there to party. Yeah. Some are there for lovely, quiet conversation and a good shardy. It's of my language. One thing um, people forget to check when they are mapping that out, though, is the service access areas. Mm. So there's always going to be doors when, particularly if it's a cocktail event, they're bringing out food constantly, or not just cocktail. Seated is even more food, um, that you absolutely cannot block. So working around
0: those. Yes, so important. You can't put a bar in front of one Mm. of those swinging doors. Mm -mm. Um, One of my favourites to check is the loo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is something I learned back in my Dockers days. My <laughs> my manager said we were at – I can't remember where we were. Went to some event space. Actually, I think it was at an old football club, you know, a, not an AFL club but a waffle club. So it was an older facility and it had a big room that was, you know, perfect event space for what we were doing. Um. And she's like, right, tomorrow we're going to go into the toilets, male and female. We're going to open every cubicle and just have a quick look in, check out if everything's functional, clean, nothing broken. And I was like, wow, okay, this is part of the job now, checking toilets. But it's so important because when you're serving food and drink, your guests are going to use the bathroom and it doesn't matter what kind of beautiful event space that you create from, for them – Once you leave that and go to the bathroom, if it's dirty, if it's old, if it's broken, if things aren't flushing, if there's no um, hand towels, it just ruins your event experience. It's a really, or if there's been something left behind that needs cleaning, it's Mm. also a really good one to check. That's more on the event day, not really a (laughs) site visit, but you know, loos are important do events, they said. It'll be glamorous, they said. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are, checking for floaters in the mail's toilet. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be nasty. And that's your opportunity to note that you're going to bring some florals to put in the toilets just mm. to jazz it up a bit, or maybe um, a diffuser just to give it a nice smell. The site visit is when you can figure these things out.
1: Mm. I wonder if you'd be allowed to go on the mail toilet though, if it was a biz- during business hours. Yeah, yeah, you can. Someone can go in and check first, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, you just call
0: out. Yeah. Event manager coming through. <laughs> 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 I carry your clipboard, you're allowed in anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way the world's going, hopefully,
1: uh, unisex toilets are, are becoming a thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Non binary. So, obviously, the lose, particularly probably uh, the alternative gender to yourself, is probably one you forget to check. What are some other traps for young players, do
0: you think? Um, check bump in and bump out times. So think about how long your particular event is going to take to set up. You may may be thinking in your mind, okay, I've got access an hour, two hours before, that's heaps of time. And when it comes down to it and you've added your lighting and your dancers and your flamethrowers and your sparkly people putting sparkles on face in the corner and you're a sketch artist and all these different things coming in, Um, Maybe you've got a ball pit and it's actually going to take six hours to set up. Oh, yeah. So you need to have a really good understanding of what's going into your event and when. check with the venue when you can get into that room to start setting it up because Mm -hmm. particularly in purpose-built event spaces, they are turning things over and over and over all the time. So they may have a breakfast event followed by a lunch event followed by your evening event. Or they may have something that has amazing amounts of audio-visual in the ceiling from the night before and that's going to take their AV team 10 to 12 hours to bump out and you're ready for your lunch event or your breakfast event, ready to get in there and you just can't. So um, it's a really important question to ask of the venues. What are my bump-in and bump-out access times? I think it's worth asking as well, like
1: continue to ask if you're not happy with the answer and they don't get a booking closer closer to the date if they haven't had a booking you can sometimes they'll let you in early which is definitely worth doing if you can get in there
0: oh relieves so much more stress yeah if
1: you can just get in the day before and And like we mentioned in our last episode av in particular takes so much
0: longer to set up than you think it does Mm. so plan ahead people yeah um what other things do people forget access points I think we touched on. um, Delivery docks for the bump in. Oh yes
1: they can be quite the paperwork. And scary there's like people yelling at you you can't park your car there and
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and quite often you have to do a um, induction. Yeah you've got to go into security and get your little photo taken and put in all your details and all that takes time as well so that's adding to your bump in time. And that's a good point to
1: ask the venue because there's a A lot of venues will not let you bring certain things through the front door. So you have to know. I've been in venues where I just did not want to use the delivery dock and I thought, I was like, come on, it's only like 20 centrepieces. Mm They're like, no, you you cannot bring them through this front hotel door. You need to go in the back. Yeah. So you've got no choice half the time, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and then you've got to deal with some lovely delivery dock people. Yes. Actually, at RAC Arena, we did an event recently and the delivery dock – security guard was just the most delightful person I've ever dealt with oh that's he, nice I know he was really friendly and he could have you know he was in that position where he could have been really mean He was really calm really friendly and said yes to most things that I asked for which mm. was wonderful it's what you want hmm um what else what else do people forget uh what about are there
1: any other events on the same night
0: Oh, yeah, this happened to us um, last year, I think it was. We had this awards night. Ah, super prestigious, super high-end. We created the most beautiful event space. Um, But it was only for 400 people, so we were using a ballroom and we only needed half of the ballroom. Did not think to ask what was going on on the other side of the wall. So on the other side of the wall was a rock concert. (laughs) We had a high-end prestigious awards night with a high-profile presenter. Um, He was a well-known comedian. Very, very important awards for this company. We needed moments of silence. Oh, yeah. And... It wasn't – it, it worked out okay because we realised while we were bumping in and there was sound checking next door really <laughs> loud, we realised, okay, we're going to have to rejig things to ensure that we're not doing the really quiet award ceremony part of the night when they're rocking out next door because as much as they had worked to change the orientation of the other events – so the venue – I was really a little bit annoyed that they hadn't mentioned that this was happening – they didn't mention it because they felt that it didn't Im- it wouldn't impact on our event. So they orientated their room so that all their speakers were facing away from our event space and ours were the same. But yeah, when it came to rehearsals, we could hear. They were super loud. Their whole point of their event was to showcase bands. <laughs> so it was just a bit of a disaster. But what we did was um, we yeah just adjusted our times. I went next door, spoke to the event manager of the band um, the band event and just said, Look, when are you doing your rockin' out phases and I'm going to adjust our timings so and qu- that we're not at the same time. Quite often
1: the A V company, particularly in that venue which was a purpose built event space, they're using the same A V companies. I remember talking to the A V company and they said, Oh no, we've we'll go and adjust the sound levels on that side because uh, we're we're aware of it and we're carefully controlling decibel limits on both sides. Mm. So it is something as well that you can get the AV company involved in.
0: Yeah, yeah, it all worked out on the night. I, you know, I could hear it at low levels. Me too. But I, but I was listening out for it. Yep. I don't think the guests took it in at all.
1: And you're in an entertainment complex. Like it's, it's. There's going to be sound from other places. True. Ideally, there isn't though. I so, know. in your site visit,
0: ask this question. I also have another example, if, oh. I, if I may. Um, Please do. We were running a charity ball and uh, it was for this beautiful charity, Madala, which um, works with schools. And we had a lot of people attending. We, we had um, tables from several schools around Perth and next door, and one of the schools was Hale, and next door was the Hale school ball. <laughs> so people were coming into our event space, saying oh I'm looking for the hail table and we were thinking okay you're on table 36 next minute's 100 people at table (laughs) 36 (laughs) (laughs) so they're actually looking for the hail ball and yeah I mean it was very quickly worked out but it was one of those things that if we had just been aware of what was happening next door we would have been ready for that question Mm. okay is it the hail table or is it the hail event that you're looking for
1: yeah that's a really good point So what about max capacities in each space? Particularly these days we keep having restrictions, two square metres, four square metres. It's really good to be across that. And if possible, allowing yourself a little breathing room by having a slightly bigger space.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's just one of those things. It's nature of the beast at the moment. we just got to keep an eye on what the capacity limits are. Hopefully, I'm praying that they will be done away with. Preferably by the time this event, uh, by the time this podcast drops, but... Uh, mm, optimistic. Not bloody likely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, and what about natural daylight? Like sometimes I've been in event spaces where um, it just happens to be that the sun's at the perfect level where it's reflecting on the screens. Or blinding everybody. Yeah, <laughs> or, or blinding everybody. Um, I, I've had a, quite a few events, particularly uh, one in Matilda Bay in Perth. The view's so beautiful. You want to have it open. I had a breakfast there. And everyone's like, I can't see anything, I'm blinded. I'm like, but the view is beautiful, you enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's getting blind, not in a good way. (laughs) I know, yeah, exactly. But like, it breaks my heart because sometimes you're like, I booked this
0: venue for the view, now I have to shut the curtains. (laughs) Yeah, you just, sometimes you cannot see the screen because of the light coming through. So I try and do a a partial close. So you just do a partial curtain behind the event space or behind the stage, but... Yeah, hopefully have most of the view showing. Yeah. Oh, such a tragedy when you've got to have those blinds closed. It is for sure. What else? Um, one thing that I have come up against is if there are going to be a lot of smokers at the event. Mm, So I, I had one client. Yeah, they're in the automotive industry, and they knew a lot of people. A lot of their potential guests smoke, so we had to source a venue that had. Either a smoking area, which is very hard to find in this day and age, <gasps> or really easy access to go outside. They didn't want um, like Optus oh, Stadium was off the table for them because they knew if they wanted to smoke, they'd have to go all the way and do that ten minute journey that we talked oh, yeah. about earlier. So um, yeah, they needed a venue where it was just easy to walk outside into a smoking area. Um, it's it's not something that. I come across a lot because Mm. smoking obviously is a lot less prevalent these days, but definitely something to think about. Yeah, that is interesting. And it would
1: definitely differ depending on the industry you're doing the event for. I don't know how to respond to that. Oh,
0: hello, Siri. Sorry. (laughs) Tam's watch is speaking to us right now. (laughs) And he doesn't know how to respond to that. No.
1: We didn't (laughs) ask you, Siri. (laughs) Shut up, Siri. (laughs) Um, Another thing I like to look for or ask is, is... What about storage or green rooms, back of house, that sort of thing? So particularly if the bump-in is not as generous as you would like, is there anywhere that things can be stored? Can they stay on the delivery dock for a day if they need to be delivered
0: early? Mm. And also if you are using a delivery dock, label absolutely everything, even if it's coming in and out in that day. Clear labeling is a must if you're in a really busy venue. <laughs> the amount of times I've lost things on the delivery dock yeah.
1: and they were labeled. So, <laughs> oh gosh, just it's all right. But find it early is my um, tip on that one. Mm-hmm. What about blank canvas venues? I know people think they're exciting because of the creativity.
0: What are your thoughts on them? Mm, I, it really depends on the event. Yeah. It just comes down to your event style. So if you've got something that needs very particular um, furniture or style or theming, then a blank canvas can be beautiful. You need to have a really decent budget, obviously, because you can bring absolutely everything, everything in from the furniture to the forks. Yeah. But um, you can create an absolute wonderland it's like st- it's like styling um a tv set i don't know why i said that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i just i i think it depends on your event style if you're going for something minimalist then a blank canvas is great <laughs> <laughs> and, and totally just do, does depend on the brand the
1: product you're launching if that suits the style for like the stark contrast or um trucks or construction that sort of thing mm. really great idea
0: oh we did an event in a warehouse it was for a company called building so they build warehouses and so they were showcasing <laughs> yeah they were showcasing well actually it was an industry event they're bringing people together but they had the opportunity to use this beautiful warehouse as as the event set and there was definitely a blank canvas it was Beautiful concrete floors because everything was brand new. So Ooh, was, that's nice. So it's yeah. like warehouse
1: vibes but not dirty yet.
0: That's <laughs> right. Exactly. So the the paint was fresh. The toilets were all brand spanking new. Um, gorgeous concrete floors, high ceilings. We could get trucks and cement mixes and all sorts of things. I know. Good Lord. It was so cool though and we lit them all up and then we brought in luxury cars as well and parked them and we brought in this big uh, tray bed um, truck, so we used the back of the truck as a stage, so it had that industrial feel to it. That's cool. And we put up a bit of, so it actually had had all the ta- scaffolding taken away, but we put up a bit of scaffolding to make the bar. And yeah, it was really cool. So that was a great example of using a blank canvas, rolled out a red carpet. Yeah, we just brought in quite minimal things, and oh, and a smoke machine. oof I love that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that is nice. So,
1: blank canvas suits some style of events, but it can be actually really expensive. Very. If you're
0: not after that look or you need to really style it heavily. Correct. Yeah. And, yeah, if you're budget conscious, a blank canvas space is not for you because Mm -mm. most venues or a lot of venues do have furniture, bar equipment, glassware. Cutlery, Kitchens. Ab- kitchen, built-in bars. <laughs> yes. All of those sorts of things. Lighting. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that leads me on well to my next question. What are your feels on like self-catering, bringing your own catering in versus in-house catering?
0: Yeah, I mean in-house caterers are good. Obviously you're looking at a menu that is limited to whatever they are able to present to you. If you're bringing in your own catering, it's absolutely, the possibilities the are endless. the limit, yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely an advantage. Um, you need to have the opportunity to bring catering from external. So, m- a lot of, well, definitely purpose-built venues, mm. very rare that you can bring in external catering. Um, but if you're looking at smaller venues or venues that are flexible, then, yeah, it's great. You can bring in your own caterer. You need to definitely check out the equipment and the facilities. And I would always bring an external caterer to a site visit so you can have a look around and get exactly what they need.
1: That reminds me, we spoke to Tiana from Ultimo last season and she was talking about those things if you need to refer back to it. But it was really interesting to hear her say that sort of things you need to consider if you're bringing in a kitchen, basically, they have to set it up on site. So is there gas access if they need to set up an oven? How's that going to work? Is there power access...
0: uh, Car parking. That's right. And with self-catering, you need to consider all of the things um, on top of just the, the food. So mm. what serving, where are you going to use? Yeah. Where are the bins? Um, who's going to do the serving? All of those things. And you see those – I was going to say cowboy events. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but events that have lower budgets where people are launching something or um, and, they, and they may get family involvement. Their mum or their dad does some cooking and some serving – and it can get a little bit worrying because they may not have the proper food handling licenses or practices um, so yeah self catering to me is always going to be a professional caterer mm-hmm. coming in true you know self catering by the people that you know is a little bit um particularly da- if it's dangerous
1: a ticketed event like professional level you're charging for it Oh, yeah. Probably shouldn't be your
0: mum's egg sandwiches. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is in America. You're probably not going to get a lawsuit, but... Yes. I think we're going
1: that way. I know, sadly. So, we've talked about a number of things that sound cheap that aren't. What about if you are on a tight budget? What would you recommend when looking for a venue?
0: Mm, just go to a venue that's got most of the things that you need. So, look around hunt and hunt and hunt until you find that venue that has um, furniture that's accessible, that they own, that has some level of lighting, that has basic audio-visual and this could just be a microphone and speaker system – is it pretty or not? Like it goes back
1: to the blank canvas thing. You need to fill that space with a lot of things. Whereas some venues are beautiful
0: heritage buildings or like they just speak for themselves. That's so true. Add two candles and it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. So that comes down to doing your research and finding that exact aesthetic that you're looking for. Yeah. And you just don't have to create it because it's there. Yeah
1: a lot of p- places even have festoon lighting like permanently installed in the gardens. Mm-hmm. so if that's the f- the feel you want, go out and find it at the venue. yeah, yeah, it's really good for being budget savvy. So we've talked about venues site visits in general. Now let's get local really quickly for our listeners who want some recommendations from us on you know our favorite venues in Perth. Um, okay, real quick, firstly, let's talk about. Small, medium, large, let's just define what we're talking about. So small, what would you
0: class that as? Under 100. Okay. Medium? 100 to about 500. Okay. And then 500 plus? Would be a large, yeah. Yeah, cool.
1: And so what are our top tips on small venues in Perth? Well... Uh,
0: Well, I love Felden Co. I haven't Mm. been there in ages, but we launched Behind the Clipboard podcast at Felden Co. Special place in our heart. It (laughs) is. And it often pops up in my mind's eye when I'm talking about venues, particularly warehouse venues. Yes. So pretty. Um, But that's in the burbs. It's not Mm. for everyone. Um, If you uh, bring it back to the city, right next to our office is a very exciting new event space called Elio. Mm. Um, Gorgeous tiny little they've whitewashed it Um, it looks like a little house so it's got segmented rooms, one quite large room and then a smaller one behind it. It's just beautiful talk about blank canvas. But very small for like, I'd say
1: 30 under 25
0: 30 yeah perfect for photo shoots yes or stand-up cocktail where you're walking through a few of the rooms if you're having sit down yeah maybe 30 i don't know i'd have mm. to look it up but it, it's really cute and it's right in um not that it's not in the cbd but it's still in perth so yeah. there's parking so it's really easy to park so it's near highgate love it best of both worlds yeah and there's a few other little ones around that, like Cleaver Street, which is in West Perth, and um, they've got about 60 sit-down, 100 oh, yeah. cocktail. Again, and it's very
1: central. And then um, some of the something you might not think about, for example, at Pan Pacific, they've just recently redone their foyer and the restaurants. So there's two restaurants there that are only open certain nights of the week that you can go to and hire out.
0: Yes, I love this idea oh. because they've decked it out absolutely beautifully, So you can go in on a, um, do a corporate event on, this is off the top of my head, but Mm -hmm. say a Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday night. And I think they're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, over the weekend, Sunday. Um, And yeah, they're not being used. They're just beautiful, beautiful restaurants that you can turn into an event space in a second. You don't need to style it. Obviously they'll cater it with their beautiful in-house food and it's something that, is unexpected totally. Ten acre block is one of them.
1: That's um, an award winning vegan restaurant, and that's beautiful. It's got like blush shears and little individual booths and seating sections. And, yeah. But um, and the other one is uh, there's a yeah a Peruvian. I was trying to think of the country again. That sort of style again goes back to if that's the theme you're going for anyway. It's perfect. Yeah. And you don't have to order the food just from that restaurant. Is the important thing. So they can cross cater.
0: Yeah, so brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, so Uma and 10 Acre Block are two top tips for newbies. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, if you look around and find out which restaurants aren't open on yeah. certain days, the same thing and with cafes. cafes yeah. <laughs> Snap. Snap. Because um, cap- they close at two or three o'clock in the afternoon. So exactly right. Perfect. And all you have to do is ask the owner and say, would you consider it? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, they will. Yeah. So what about medium size in Perth? Yeah, we've got um, places we've worked in like Lamonts Bishop's House. We've been working there a lot Beautiful. lately. Central the food is
1: so good there. Oh my god, so
0: good. The staff are great. Jack so friendly. Uh, it's a family-owned business, heritage house. So you go in and it's just gorgeous. And it's gardens as well. Yeah, the rose garden, so. my favorite space. Absolutely. Yeah, not too big, not too small. Mm-hmm. So, you can, but you can have a decent size event there. Um, Friday Studio back to that warehouse style. Moana Hall, it's love, beautiful. love, love, love. Shane, who runs that, is just incredible. He's incredible to work with, really great guy and he's, his vision for that space just came together so beautifully. Again, another heritage-listed building that's been renovated and brought back to life. And, and speaks for itself. It doesn't w- need much done to it. It really does. What else do I love? State Theatre. Oh, yeah. It's a great medium-sized one. What, it's a venue that I think is quite overlooked as well. I agree. A full building and lots and lots of different spaces. They've got the courtyard, they've got the main theatre, they've got foyers and they've got a really gorgeous um, light-filled, during the day, light-filled section that's got windows all around it. It's gorgeous. The glass box. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's it sort of reminds me of.
1: Yeah. Also, one of my favourites, personal favourites is... For consistency of amazing food, phrases in Kings Park and the view, mm. like we were just talking about. Can't go past. Yeah. What, and quarry amphitheatre. A lot of people think that sounds like it's in the middle of nowhere, but it's not. It's in City Beach. So it's really central and it has. it's so versatile. So it can be amphitheatre style, theatre style, cocktail, sit down on the huge built-in stage they've got there. Mm. And so much rigging already um, for lights and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's and a really unique space. Uh, speaking of unique spaces, The Raft. It's, oh, yeah. It's one of my personal favourites just because of how unique it is. So, there's, it's an amazing view of the city, the Swan River, Kings Park. And now one of our friends of Kae is the caterer there as well. So, he does amazing food on
0: board. Oh, yeah, Ollie. You can't go past Chef Ollie. Yeah. And we did a whole podcast. We interviewed the people uh, who Dan and Katie who run the raft before it was actually in operation yeah. very exciting if you want to go back and, and hear more about that space another one of my favourites is Vin and Flower mm. so this building has a bit of history it used to be, it's in Northbridge and it used to be a very very popular night spot called the Bog oh it, my god it was Irish, the Irish things you were looking for on the toilets. yeah I know and it was such an Irish name in an in Australia, and yeah, the the double meaning there was <laughs> n- not great. But, um, oh my God, it was just a night spot that was packed all the time, any day of the week. It used to go off. Mm-hmm. So, it closed down uh, for whatever reason and lay dormant for quite some time. And then the geniuses behind Vin and Flower came and spruced it up. They actually had a furniture hire company um, called Perth Furniture Hire before... They went into this venture and the beauty of hiring this venue is that they will include their furniture that they had from this hire company in the hire of their venue. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a really good one-stop shop and yeah, they've, they've put great. in really beautiful LED built-in lighting. Um, there's a stage, a built-in stage that's always there so you don't, yeah, you really don't have to bring in much. There's a built-in bar as well. Mm. Um, so rock it's, up and it, have a drink. Yeah, but it's <laughs> got that warehousey feel to it, but it's, they've really thought about how that can work with minimal intervention so people can come and it can be really cost-effective and it's a gorgeous space. So that's Vin and Flower, and it's on Newcastle Street in Northbridge.
1: Mm, so cool. And last medium-sized venue that is one of our favourites is Beaumont on the Point. Yeah,
0: we love Beaumont. Yes. Yeah, it's one of those ones people think – Oh, it's too far out of the city. It's much closer than Crown. Yes. (laughs) It's just on the outskirts of um, the eastern side of the city, right on the river. Again, they've got a beautiful bar area that could double as an event space if the bar's not busy. Um, But then they've got the purpose-built event space, which is huge and really wonderful. And their um, food, Beaumont Catering, been around for a very long time, decades in Perth. They're great. Yeah. So large – there's not many – this is a point of contention
1: in Perth. If you want to have a sit-down meal in particular for 500-plus people, Mm
0: -hmm. what have we got? Crown. Yep. Optus. Yep. Perth Convention (laughs) Centre. Yeah. And RAC Arena. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah. And they're the indoor ones. Of course, we have Langley Park and Kings Park. And when we talk about events – I think in our minds, often we're thinking about sit down, um, fully catered kind of things. But of course, there's all the outdoor events that you can do. So, um, yeah, we've got – in Perth, we've got such spectacular outdoor spaces. And weather to yeah, do it.
1: that's so true. Most of the time. So, to close off this episode, what sort of venues would you want to see in Perth more of?
0: Well, I mean, talking about Perth and its weather and its outdoor spaces, it's – the natural beauty of Western Australia – and Perth itself lends itself to having many more venues that are along the coast or along the river. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that's why the raft has been such a success yeah. because it's it's right on the river. Um,
1: Something special about having a drink on a warm day, and you can see the water, or you're on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's spectacular, and. I don't know what with Perth, we've got a lot of aging restaurants that sit in prime locations that you just think, oh, just tr- it needs to be bought and tweaked just yeah, a little bit. It's a birthday, yeah, <laughs> and could be turned into the most spectacular event space. And I, I'm not saying that it hasn't been done. We've got Coast down in Fremantle mm-hmm. that um, that lends itself to amazing events that and doubles as a cafe and restaurant during the day. Beautifully done. And more than that, I think we
1: need to relax the liquor licensing laws because that is – like, why can't we have things like in Bali? We have the best beaches where you literally sit on the beach, like Mm. your your feet in the sand on a cool night, a warm night, cool sand. That's just the best. I don't know why we can't have that in WA. I
0: don't understand that either. We have so much coastline. Well, they brought Kudatar in and plonked it on the river and made it concrete. Yeah. So I never understood that. Such a different vibe, totally different to what you get in Bali, which yeah. is exactly what you just described—sitting on the beach and you're facing the sunset, and it's yeah. just awesome. Yeah, those beach bars, hundred percent. Is it? Is it licensing? Is that? Is I that believe what's holding it is. Yeah.
1: yeah, and yeah. development laws, urban development laws. Very sad. <coughs> wow, that was also a chunky one. We thought AV was big. Venues is really, I mean, it's one of the most important parts of an event. It is. So you want to make sure you've ticked all the boxes, checked everything you need to. 100%.
0: We hope we've given you some little uh, gifts of gold there. Mm. Ciao. (laughs) Bye. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in. For your chance to have your questions answered or join our conversation, follow us on Instagram at Behind the Clipboard Podcast.